welcome to Debating Metal. I'm your host, Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal. Along with my co-host, Chris Kay, we discuss and dissect the songs, albums, and bands of the music we are most passionate about, heavy metal. So sit back, relax, turn it up to 11, and let the debate begin. Welcome back to Debating Metal. I'm your host, Kenneth Dean, a Dean of Metal. This week, my co-host, Chris Kay, and I are taking on one of the originators of the Gothenburg sound, In Flames, with Colony vs. Clayman. Along with our debate, Kenneth has more rusty metal, and I've got a new online pick of the week. We're also picking our best of the best with this week's Big Four In Flames songs, so be sure to stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear which songs made our list. If you missed last week, we picked our big four Van Halen albums in tribute to Eddie Van Halen. So make sure to click subscribe and download the episode to check that out. Also, be sure to go to our Instagram at Debating Metal and leave a comment about your big four every week. But before we begin, let's take a brief moment to go over last week's episode. Last week on episode 35, we discussed how we discovered Van Halen and what he and the band meant to us. And we also went head to head with Van Halen 1 versus Van Halen 2. And once again, on behalf of Chris and myself, thank you, Eddie, for the memories and the amazing songs that live on. We will miss you. To listen to the episode, download or stream us on all the major podcast platforms such as iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music. And do yourself and us a huge favor and click the subscribe or follow button on your PC, the app on your phone, or however you listen to podcasts and you'll get our newest episode on your favorite device every Friday. So tell your wife, tell your husband, tell your girlfriends, boyfriends, friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, and even people you pass on the street to check out Debating Metal. You'll be glad you did, and don't forget to rate us or leave a review. We also want to read your opinions on these or any of our other topics, so if you agree with us or just want to rip us a new one, send us an email to debatingmetal at gmail.com or message us on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. Now it's time for Rusty Metal. Kenneth, what'd you unearth this week? All right, this week I unearthed uh, Twisted Sister and Under the Blade, their 1982 debut album. came out on Secret Records, and it was produced by Pete Way of UFO fame and Mark Mendoza and Dee Snyder. And it was recorded at a couple different places, um, a place called The Barn in Kitchenham Farm in Ashburnham, England. I'm pretty sure I've said all those words incorrectly. <laughs> Just perfectly. Yeah. It's like, I, I bet you it's like Kitchenham or something like that. ICC Studios in Eastbourne, England, and Maison Rouge in London, and a studio somewhere near Battle, England. So they were all over the place when they did this album. Uh, and it's pretty funny because it doesn't sound that way. The band initially released an EP called Rough Cuts. It contained four songs, three of which eventually made their way onto their debut album, Under the Blade. They had been touring the New York area. I mean, they basically could sell any place in New York and the, or the tri-state area in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut at will, basically. That, that's how big they were in that, in that area. But they could not get a record deal for the life of them. A lot of that is um, actually mentioned and documented in their movie uh, We Are Twisted Fucking Sister pretty cool documentary uh, for them talks about the, the beginnings and, and all their struggles all the way up to their, their first album I don't even, I think they got past the first album on that 
And I think it was, uh, they got all the way up to Stay Hungry, and they didn't, you know, everyone knows about their success from that, that point on. So, Under the Blade contains the songs Tear It Loose, Shoot Em Down, What You Don't Know Sure Can Hurt You, the title track Under the Blade, and the catchy Bad Boys of Rock and Roll. It's a really raw recording that showcases Twisted Sister's incredible energy. Um, the song Tear It Loose itself featured a guitar solo from Fast Eddie Clark, who in turn recommended them to Lemmy, and the band ended up opening up some dates for Motorhead while they were in the UK, and that eventually helped them get signed to their major label deal with Atlantic. And from there, the rest is history. After the success of Stay Hungry in 1985, Under the Blade was remixed and released worldwide, but it was a virtual flop. Um, no one really cared about the remixes. The production was better, the song sounded newer and slicker, but it lost all that energy that was on the original recordings. So basically, the fans just kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever. For the, for the diehards of Twisted Sister fans, they had the original Under the Blade, so it was so much better. I mean, there was some muffling in, in, in some of the sound on the original that came out better on the remixes, but that was part of the charm of that first album. Under the Blade was a really, really cool debut album for Twisted Sister. A lot of the songs they still played in concert up through the end. All in all, uh, the, the remixes just killed it. But the album itself, Under the Blade, was reissued in 2011. It was remastered and re-released using the original mixes, and it also included the Rough Cuts EP from 1981. So, pretty cool little item. It's uh, Twisted Sister is kind of like an acquired taste for people. So, uh, if you did, if you haven't acquired it, I would start with Under the Blade, only because that's pretty much what Twisted Sister was really all about. That and you can't stop rock and roll. Stay hungry. They just it almost started getting watered down. But everyone, you know, knows I want to rock, and we're not going to take it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the time, the 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 bands would become a little bit more commercial as they went along. You know, you've got record company support at that point. They're not as you know self sustained in that way, and the record company is going to recommend you do this, this, and this to be more successful. And sometimes the great effect, and sometimes not. And yeah, I I, I get completely what you're saying with more watered down. Yeah. All right, so what do you got for our online pick of the week this week? All right, so this week I picked uh, a channel I've been watching for quite a while, uh, Spectre Sound Studios. This is uh, Glenn Fricker. He's a uh, producer, and uh, he's, a, he's a sound tech as well, so he has a lot of knowledge about this, this you know, genre. And uh, he's very entertaining to watch, very funny, as well as just doesn't take guff from anybody. So he, he, he'll often do videos that just kind of describe how to achieve a certain sound, like pick a band and say, you know, this has a really iconic sound. Actually, they did one about our, our subject today, In Flames, where he had been in pursuit of the, the Clayman sound for a long time and finally narrowed it down and how they recorded it. It was a really cool episode to watch. Um, but he's, he's done other bands like, how do, you, how do you get the Eddie Van Halen sound? How do you get the Pantera sound? You know, so those are all really entertaining. At the same time, he'll read the comments from from people who watch and emails that that will, you know, hey, you you don't really like this, so you you're totally wrong, and he'll just tear people apart, which is awesome. And he loves to give bass players guff because he's worked with so many musicians over the years, and it, and he'll uh, always say, say, you know, these guys come in and they don't know what they're doing, and we have to get a studio music, musician, etc. <laughs> it's just it's just really entertaining to watch. 
Um, again, it's Spectre Sound Studios, and it's Glenn, and the guy's just great. So check that one out. I've seen this guy before. I actually watched his video about Queensryche and the, the fact that he actually remixed, I think, their, their um, Frequency Unknown album or the, the actual Jeff Tate frequency on the jeff tate one yeah yeah Yeah, so and and apparently he never got paid by the studio or by the record company he was a little Mm -hmm. pissed about that yeah this guy's pretty entertaining i like him and then i saw there was a different guy and i'm gonna recommend this to you so you could then recommend it for an online pick of the week but there was a dude who recently did something about getting the alex van halen sound on drums uh okay i forgot who that was so I'll, i'll talk to you about that uh, yeah, if you can find that one, can. just send it to Yeah, me. it's pretty cool. Good. But this guy, I like this guy. I've seen some of his stuff. Yeah, he's rel- relatively outspoken, so he's pretty cool. It's mm-hmm. good. I like I like when they just talk shit like that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us to our main topic this week, and it's In Flames, Colony versus Clayman. Now, I'm going to admit straight up, I am not the biggest In Flames fan. I, I, I've just gone into them, thanks to my dear co-host, Chris K., they are pretty. I mean, they're pretty cool. It's not like I don't like them or anything like that. It, it was. It was just something. On your radar. I was. Yeah, it definitely wasn't on my radar. The whole the whole Gothenburg thing wasn't on my radar. The whole death, you know, melodic death metal scene wasn't on my radar. Uh, it's now on the radar. Now it's now on the the regular highway. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely, you know, In Flames is uh, listening to these albums and a little bit of Horacle and a little bit of stuff from before and after. They definitely have changed a lot i can't say if it's good or bad it was, it's been good for them is from what i understand and from what i can tell it has been it's, very yeah, good for them. i mean influence is one of those bands that is nowhere even close to where they started i mean that they have they have sh- had a complete polar shift in their their even just the members of the band i would say as far as like for me my favorite albums from that band even come before Colony and Clayman. I love Horacle. I love the Jester Race. When they when they started putting these albums out, this is this is you know a change already in their career and their their four or five albums in. 1999's Colony represented a change that was more towards accessibility. It's very listenable. It has a lot of bright tones, but it's still using the death metal vocals. So there are elements of like power metal death metal there's really epic guitar riffs it's it's something that in comparison to say jester race which was two albums earlier it's definitely more listenable this is also the first album in which the lineup uh that that sustained from from this point until 2010 when the founder of the band jester strombel stromblad left so there there's consistency over the next 12 years one notable change is that there's a transition from the drummer of the, the band being Bjorn Gilot to now he's going to be lead guitarist on this album and going forward for the rest of the band, or for the rest of their career up until this point. Um, which is f- kind of funny because actually Jesper, who was the guitarist or rhythm guitarist and wrote most of their songs uh, from the first album to the second album, also transitioned from being the drummer. So that's kind of funny that two of their drummers became guitarists in the band. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. interesting. Yeah. Up until this point, In Flames had released three albums that had been pretty groundbreaking, and I would say these two were also pretty groundbreaking. So they have a, they have a history at this point of being like just very innovative, 
very no are, are known within the metal community and really influential on making that Gothenburg sound a a worldwide thing. So what's what's kind of funny about this album though is this is really divisive among uh, In Flames fan. This is this is like to the level of like Metallica where people go, you know, man, the last uh, the last good album was Injustice for All or people will say that like the last good album was was the Black album. There's nothing good after that. This is to, to to the same level among this fan base. Colony has that reputation of being the last great album, or the point where they sold out, and Clayman has the same repu- reputation. So I think it's a really good comparison to take these two albums that are so divisive yet also considered masterpieces in the metal community and compare them. Okay, I I can I can go with that. I definitely noticed in reading up about the albums that these were the last two albums to be recorded by Frederick Nordstrom at what the hell's studio at Studio Fredman. So after that, things changed, and I think uh, noticeably the sound, just the sound recordings changed. Not even the sound of the band per se, but the, the, just the way the the band sounded. Both changed. I mean, yeah, obviously everything else changed, but just it was just such a drastic change from one album to the next, from from uh, Colony to re not Colony from from Clayman to Reroute to Remain, that you, it was a distinctive difference. Whereas to me, just as we go over these albums, Colony and Clayman have a f- similar sound to each mm-hmm. other, almost like a continuation from one to the next, um, but. There is definitely some distinct differences on the songwriting from one album to the next, and that's what we're going to get into now. Oh, so. for sure. So with Colony, mm-hmm. start the album with "Embody the Invisible." This is one of those. It, it's it's a great intro song. It's very hard hitting. All of these songs they have a lot of meaning behind them, and that's that's one thing I've always really liked about this band is you have a a a band from Sweden that is singing in English and is able to present a concept and a well-translated concept, very poetically written, into this... They're not truly concept albums, but they have themes all throughout the albums. I mean, this one, I've always interpreted as, like, the arrogance of man and the role that we play on the, uh, the planet and that we think we're greater than we are. Like, why... Do we believe we have the crown of the, you know, of the species of this planet? Hmm. Okay, I, I wasn't able to get deeply into the lyrics of any of the songs. I mostly, you know, surface listened to all them, as far as the riffs, the sounds, the drums, and all that stuff. I do like "Embody the Invisible." Um, one thing, the first thing I noticed as soon as I put it on, you know, the harmony guitars, the melodic sound to it um i like that a lot it's a catchy song uh in my opinion uh and it's a good song to open the album with um and definitely you know as the song progressed i like the harmony guitar solo that came on in in the middle something very similar to when we talked about amon amarth a couple weeks ago is that and i guess this is a swedish thing (laughs) but the two guitar players totally you know work really well together and do a lot of harmony guitar parts where they're you know one's playing you know they're playing the same notes but in, in different scale uh, not scale but in different in different parts octaves. of the scale yeah different octaves yeah. excuse me so 
they, they, that comes across pretty well. You know, I like the way that sounds. Plus, they could be playing the same octave, but because they have two different guitar tones, it comes across differently. That that's also another thing that that I see they that they do really well, and that's that's evident throughout all the songs that they do on this album and Clayman. So that's pretty that's a pretty cool thing. Um, like I said, the same thing with Amon Amarth. It was just full of it, and then this album is the same way. Well, I, I think what works so well about them at this point in their career is that Jesper and Bjorn have that same musical talent where they're they're multi instrumentalists. So they play drums, guitar, etc. And Jesper would end up writing a lot of the music, and then you know he would write the solos and say, "Hey Bjorn, you know you're going to play this solo." So they they had a very close knit relationship in the way they wrote music, the 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 way that they, they played it, and it, it there was just a, a a chemistry there at that point that just was fantastic. Cool. All right, so ordinary story, the second track. It's a song about the thirst for power and status and the indifference to the effect on others. So I think this song has a fantastic riff. I just absolutely love this track. It's a, it, that was another cool track. I mean, uh, the the clean spoken vocals in the verses is an, is an interesting effect. From what I get, I mean, it's happened in so, it, it happens in so many songs that they do. I think it's something that it's it's like a regularly incorporated thing for them, which is, it, I think is pretty cool because it does break away from the the deathy and the screaming and all that stuff on the regular stuff. So mm-hmm. to do these kinds of things, it's it's pretty cool because it changes it up a little bit. I like the I like the way the song went into the solo, uh, and then it swung back into an interlude that included some clean guitar and even even some piano, and then before it broke back into the chorus and then closed out the song. So that that was that's a pretty cool little way that the last half of the song went. Yeah, I like the um, the aspects of these these tracks on the, this album and the next album because there, there's a consistent riff throughout the song. It's like you know we always kind of go back to Tony Iommi where talking about a writer who writes a riff and bases the song right around that one riff. And there's a similar approach to the songwriting here. And you can kind of already feel that two songs in. Uh, it's one thing I really love about in flames during this period of their career. Mm-hmm. All right. So track three is scorn. Uh, it's always been a song that I perceive to be about un- unrequited love. Uh, the lyrics kind of, fall hand in hand with that but I think there's always a little bit of interpretation that that's involved like he doesn't come out uh, this is Anders writing these songs he doesn't just come out and say what every song's about but uh, it seems to be about the subject of somebody who who uh, kind of waits and never professes their love and then it's lost and it can't be found it's a relatable song and again this is this is kind of what I find interesting about it because it, you've got this death metal vocals you've got these these very bright tones and you've got relatable subjects in each of these songs and i think that's what makes in flames so accessible yeah I, there, there's there's definitely something that is not your typical melodic death metal with them that that is more attractive to the to the average listener i guess you could say Mm-hmm. Uh, and that you know, but being from that scene, so you have the people who are used to the vocals that when they hear that this the, the or hear the band in general, it's a v- it's different. It's like okay, 
I, I, I get the vocals. I understand this because this is the style that I like. But yet they're so different because there's a lot of melody. There's a lot of harmony in, in, the, in, the, in the, the songwriting. It, it's very different than other bands. And I guess that's what helps set them apart. So I, I think that's a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. As far as this song is concerned, I found it kind of interesting that it's almost got like a rapped intro at the beginning. Uh, so I found that to be uh, unique. And yeah. and this song tries to be very unique throughout. Um, at some points, it, it has double bass and you know it gets a little speedy at times. It's got a cool guitar solo. So there's there's lots of elements about this song that are that are trying to incorporate other things into it. And you can see, even though to me this whole album there's not a ton of experimentation as far as the ten or eleven songs that are on the album, they don't mm-hmm. they don't they're not very diverse in in that way. Um, it may be different from what they did prior, but as far as the the collective on this album, there's not a lot of diversity. This song would probably be the most diverse of all the songs that are on there. Yeah, I think that's a that's a commentary that comes from a lot of the fans is that there's there's a predictability be predictability be <laughs> there's a predictability about this album, but it works. So it 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 can be taken either what you know. Yeah, it's too predictable. There's no experimentation. I kind of disagree with that assessment that there's no experimentation. Not not that you're saying it, but that, that fans will say that. Because I do feel like there are there are elements of it, but they're so, still also staying true to that original sound, and they're still fairly early on in their career. So yeah, this is I agree. This is one of the songs that they really push maybe a little bit out of outside of the box more than more so than others yep all right so colony this is the the title track of the album probably one of the biggest hits off of the album uh it's a song about a pretty relatable subject now is that the reality that humanity is lost to technology Mm -hmm. uh desire feeling will to succeed become replaced by the simplicity of the easy life that's managed for us through machines that's interesting. What I got out of this song was uh, it's got, you know, it's catchy. It's got some cool riffs in it. What I did notice right off the bat, right at the beginning, it's not it's not very long. It, it has a deep purple-esque feel to it. A uh, little keyboard. That organ keyboard. Yeah, exactly, yeah. That, that intro. I mean, it's quick. It's not, you know, it's not very long, you know, but it, 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 it starts off that way. And then it goes into the main riff, which is, it's a good riff. Like I said, it's catchy. The song quiets down for uh, the, the, the first verse or first few verses. It goes up and down a little bit. Um, the bridge in the song is very keyboard heavy. It's, 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 it's weird how it changes on this song because it goes from, you know, obviously the, the chugging guitars and stuff like that. And then, you know, you have this little small bridge part where it's just, it's all very keyboardy. Uh, but the band grooves when it gets into the chorus, so I, I think that's a really cool part of the song. So th- this has got a lot going on in the song, and it's pretty cool. And I guess that's the way the style is for the band. There's lots of different changes from chorus to to pre-chorus or bridge or whatever you want to call it, uh, to you know to the verses. There's lots of different things. I guess that that's their style. So it's it's a pretty cool style, and I like it. Yeah, and the, and that that intro that you were mentioning, it kind of ties into later elements of the song where the keyboard comes back and it plays the same kind of riff. Mm-hmm. 
And so you've got a lot of ebbs and flows and then the musical tie-ins, which are really nice. And this, I, to me, is one of the better songs on the album. For sure. All right, so the, the fifth track is Zombie Inc. And it's uh, I love the title of it because it's it, it's pretty straightforward in what it's talking about. A, uh, a song about being lost to following blindly. And that could be to anything. It could be to religion or a a popular cultural phenomenon, etc. I think people can fall so easily into these these uh, appealing elements, and they just don't question things. Are you alive? If all you do is follow and never find things for yourself, and if you don't see beyond, will you partake in the fall of the culture? And time will just pass you by without progressing it's it's really relevant today i think i think there's a lot of things in our culture right now where we're kind of in a divide as far as are we progressing are we are we seeing what's happening with the future or are we just kind of stuck in our ways so i think i think it's funny that you know a song or i mean an album that came out about 20 years ago is addressing a lot of issues that we're seeing today I think that there's a couple songs that you mentioned already that are on this album that are like that, you know, talking about technology and talking about, you know, mm-hmm. other other aspects of life that's currently on there. And it's it's almost like um, it wasn't necessarily predicting it because back then this was also the problem. And if mm-hmm. it, it has just progressed differently over the over the last 20 years. So it's it's quite interesting that they had the same view and it, it, this view has now come into even more focus nowadays. So it's it's a pretty interesting take on it. Yes, absolutely. Um, for me, the song has you know, a, a nice chugging riff to it uh, on the verses. So it's pretty cool. Overall, though, for me, the song just really is relatively generic. I guess you could say for the album. It, you know, there's nothing that stands out about the song that says, "Oh yeah, this is a great song." You know, to me at least. Yeah, I mean, I can I can kind of agree with that. The riff itself, it's uh, it's kind of middling. I mean, it's to, I enjoy it. I don't ever skip the track when I'm listening to the album, but at the same time, it's not anything like compared to Colony or Embody the Invisible. At this point, it's just it's just you know part of the album. Right, exactly, part of the album. All right, so the next track is Paler Anders Visa, which uh, translates to the Ballad of Anders the Thief. Uh, it's a pretty simple transition piece. It's a it's an instrumental kind of similar to Ever Lost from the first album Lunar Strain, um, or Timeless from the sub, uh, even more so to Timeless from the Subterranean EP. It's just a transition piece, uh, kind of breaking up the vibe of the songs. So, uh, what do you think of it? I like the song. I I I, I'm, I like guitar playing. I wish I was a guitar player, you know, <laughs> for the, for the yeah. most part. Um, but when when you have two when you have two guitar players that can that can blend themselves together, and you get these nice harmonies, and you get these nice melodies in there, it's it's always really cool to me. I mean, and and the fact that it to me, I, I wrote down it's a beautiful acoustic song, especially with acoustic guitar. I mean, if you could do some nice harmonies and melodies on, on acoustic guitar, it always sounds great. It was recorded really well, so it's crystal clear. Crisp, um, yeah. I, I love the way it's recorded. I love the way it sounds. The song is beautiful itself. Midway through, towards the end, it gives way to, to keyboards 
that kind of have this um, almost sound like string string instruments. Um, but I, to me, I guess it's a keyboard. It, it doesn't sound like true string instruments. So that that so you could tell it goes into a keyboard. At least that's mm-hmm. what I think. Um, but you know, overall, it's a it's a pretty cool song. Even though it's just a, it's an interlude, it's an instrumental, just to get from one part of the album to the next. Still very beautiful, in my opinion. Yeah, I I've always loved this track. I mean, it's very short, very simple, but at the same time, it's just really well instrumented. I mean, it's just it, it's a great transition. And that takes us into coerced coexistence, which again is another one of my favorites on the album. Uh, it's a song about struggling to exist in a world where, when aware of the influences around you, commercialism and social and political structure that influence every action you take. I mean, again, this is another very on-the-nose song about things that are going on today, and I think people are more aware now of of kind of how they're affected by ads that they watch, all these things that have kind of come up in the last 10 years where it's very apparent that we're, you know, we have these influences every day on, on the things we think, the things we decide to eat, etc. And it's, I just love this song. It's a cool song. The pace obviously picks back up. It becomes, you know, goes back into what the rest of the album was like. Um, got a very cool riff. What I like about the song is that it immediately made me start bopping my head. So you know you got something there when, when you can start bopping the head to it. Um, so I, I like that. Um, the double bass in the song, there's, or excuse me, there is some double bass used in the song, It's uh, which is one of the... the I always felt that um, one of the hallmarks for a lot of these extreme heavy metal that, that's out there now has been the use of double bass. Mm-hmm. In Flames doesn't, use, yeah. In Flames doesn't use a lot of it, which is pretty cool. And they don't use a lot of um, the thrash metal style of of playing drums either. So there, there's in in relative terms, it is rel- is really straightforward drumming. It's fast in 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 most cases, but it's not it's not this 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 um, complex style of drumming that uh, that a lot of double bass drums have. You know, the the whole metalcore scene took double bass drumming to a, a, an extreme, um, mm-hmm. uh, and we're not even going to mention you know black metal and, and all that because that's a <laughs> different that's a different level altogether. <laughs> But as far as this this style of music is concerned, In Flames doesn't use a tremendous amount. They they use it sparingly. <clears throat> they use it intelligently when it's needed. Uh, so that that's one of the things I like about that. You know, it's it's because double bass sometimes, especially depending on how it's recorded, can be overbearing on on a song. Um, mentioning Monomarth from a couple weeks ago, I was watching one of their concerts and. It wasn't until they stopped playing double bass drums that I noticed that it was so significantly different of a sound when the song didn't have double bass drums in it mm-hmm. to when they did because it was consistent. Like the first two songs was just this onslaught of double bass drumming, but then when they got to the third song and they were literally doing a regular drum beat, I was like, "Well, oh, okay, so it, there's not this wall of sound all the time." You know, and that's—I think that's pretty cool. And, and, and Flames gets a—you know—doesn't do that, and that's one of the things I like about it. it. It's it's one of those things where, like we talked about before, 
letting songs breathe. They mm-hmm. uh, they let songs breathe, even though there's uh, there's what five or six of them in the band. Yeah, I mean, there's five members at this point. Right. But you have yeah. a you've got uh, two guitar players, keyboard, bass, and drummer, right? And mm-hmm. one of the guitar players sings, right? Uh, no, no, no. You have a singer, uh, rhythm guitarist, lead guitarist, uh, bass, and drums. Oh, okay. So the the key the, the keyboard is like a side member. I believe so. Um, I think through most of their career, it was somebody because because Andrew doesn't play the keyboard, um, at least not. I, I know Jesper would be the one who recorded the keyboard work, I believe. Um, so it, um, yeah, there, there's a very talented musicians do, playing multiple roles with the recording, but then live. Um, yes, I believe it's just a side uh, okay. musician, like a studio mus- musician or something. Session, I guess I should say. Right, yeah. Sort of like how Iron Maiden has got seven members, but no one really knows it. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> they yep. got the keyboard guy in the corner. So, yep. um, But yeah, it, it's not overusing the effects. It lets everybody breathe and let, and you can hear everything. So mm-hmm. that's... I think... Da- oh, go ahead. No, go on. Go on. I think Daniel uh, Svensson, who's the drummer here, is. it was always one of the... the, the elements of the band that really pulled me in even after they kind of dropped off my radar i've always enjoyed his drumming in the later albums that came after this uh that was kind of one of the bright spots to me was his his drumming skill this song what i really like about it is you've got the the chorus which take it it kind of slows down so you've got you've got this yeah the hard-hitting double bass portion of the song and then it just stops and then it takes you to the chorus and the chorus is kind of slower and um, kind of like almost like screaming up to the the heavens and it, there's just a really cool effect there that I, I like that, that transition of just kind of taking full stop yeah there, there was definitely something special about this song it, just kind of, it, it stood out for sure so mm-hmm. I liked it alright so the next track is Resin it's um that one that I've never really understood fully lyrically, it's more poetic and it obviously has some significance to the writer of the song. What I kind of gather out of it is is that feeling of being trapped in a nightmare. He he even mentions, you know, being stuck in a nightmare multiple days. So it it's kind of hard to interpret, but but I really like this song. I don't know, I guess I didn't give this song enough of a listen. Um the mm-hmm. thing I got most out of it was that there's a lot of harmony guitar parts melodies throughout the song yes there's so. there's a, a definite um this is this is one of the tracks that really highlights the ability of those guitars to work together very well right exactly so that that was the biggest takeaway for me on this song okay well the next track is behind space 99 this is a uh, a rehash or rather a remake of, of the the same song Be- behind space from the first album lunar strain is this is more of a straightforward science fictiony song from the band uh, this is from the time period when the only member that was in the band that is currently on this recording that created this song was Jesper Stromblad so it's very different I like this more modern interpretation of the song um, but it it's kind of an odd fit to me in this album, even though I like it. 
I, I mentioned it to you before when I first heard this song. This is a very prog metal song, you know, progressive, very progressive. Time changes, key changes, all sorts of different things going on throughout this uh, song, different tempos. It's really progressive. It's very strange to me. In, in I know you, your opinion differs on this one. To me, this song does not fit this album. And and it explains why, because it's not from this album, it, from their first album. And when you said it was a science fiction theme, Lunar Strain, just in, in the fact that it mentioned it's a moon thing, already mm-hmm. automatically puts you in space. It puts you into a sci-fi type of mode. So it, it it's that kind of difference to it. Put it in here, there's nothing except maybe uh, what the song was back in the, in the beginning of the album. Was it a Scorn? Or, uh, yeah, I think it was Scorn or Ordinary. Yeah, it was Scorn. Where that's the only thing that's really got things all over it that are different. So this yeah. song, this song being so progressive in, in terms of time changes and, and tempo shifts and all and, and, and key changes and, and all that stuff, it just to me doesn't fit because that's not the way the band is. And if knowing that it comes from the first album, you sit there, okay, the band progressed to where they're at at this point. I don't know why they chose to rehash an older song that that doesn't fit their vibe now. It's not a bad song. Don't don't get me wrong there. It, and I actually prefer this version better because it's recorded better. It sounds better than the original. But this one, it just to me doesn't fit the album for itself. Good song, nonetheless, doesn't doesn't quite blend itself to me, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I think if you're coming from an outside perspective and you're not really super familiar with the band, it it makes less sense. Um, even though I, I agree it doesn't necessarily fit the album, it almost feels like a bonus track. Right. But, but being that it's kind of one of their most popular songs at this point in their career, I, I think they threw it in as almost like a benchmark. Like, here's where we are now. These are the members that we have. Because at this point, they've almost reset. You know, so many members have, have left the band. The original recording, the only member that's in the band at this point is Jesper. And I, I think that's kind of what they put it in there as, is it was a benchmark. You know, I never really thought much about it when I was younger. Uh, and, you know, when I was first getting into this album back in the in when it came out. But yeah, as, I, as I've kind of grown more accustomed to, like, reviewing these albums and talking about them, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense in this placement, but again, I like the song a lot. I'm I'm fine with it. It the the actual recording itself fits. It doesn't feel out of place in in terms of uh, the actual sound of the song. It's just the you know they've they've progressed. They've they've kind of come out of that early early Gothenburg sound, and it's kind of an odd placement. Yeah, I mean, the sound-wise, like I said, it definitely updates the sound because it's the same sound that's throughout the album, so that sounds great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the drumming is clear, uh, much clearer than the original. And Oh, for sure, yeah. You know, so so that's what, so it does definitely update the song, which is a good part about it. Yeah, it's one of their popular songs. It would have been more effective as a bonus track saying, okay, yeah, you know, so this is where we're at now. You get this bonus track as opposed to being ninth song out of 11 in the album mm-hmm. so I, but again doesn't 
it, it that's the only detraction from it again the song is still good and, and it sounds great yeah all right so the next track is insipid 2000 so to me it often feels like these lyrics are, are reflecting on the direction of current culture and how uh, current at the time but it's funny that again they still relate to current you know thought processes how the more we're taken care of and the less freedom we have over our lives the more complacent and insipid we become which is the the title track of the, I mean the the title of the song so how will we become better and succeed in life when we're limited by the expectation of where we fit into society i i think that's just a really well thought out concept for the song that interpretation that that's that seems pretty cool again it's one of those things where you know it if if you think about it right mm-hmm. where we're talking about you know just you know technology and, and where we're at nowadays and stuff like that think about people let's say in the early 1900s right where where the industrial you know even the late 1800s where the industrial revolution changed everything just imagine what they were thinking back then. It's the same thing we're thinking now. Technology is going to ruin us. It's going to do this. It's going to do it, it. The theme of the world has always been technology is going to ruin us. And it's funny because it at every step of the way through through the ages through history, as things progress, people think that it's going to ruin us now we're at a time where we think today that this you know all this crap is going to ruin us what's going to happen what's going to happen what's going to happen and as we progress everything you know people adapt people change and people move on so the question has always been what's going to happen in the future and it's weird how it becomes more and more relevant but yet when you if you really think about it it's the same story it's just mm-hmm. in different times we just keep diving further into it. We say technology is going to destroy us and the simplicity, of, but we, we also strive for convenience. Right. You know, so how far, it's, a, it's a paradox. Exactly. How far live. down a rabbit hole can we go before the end of the rabbit hole hits? And it's just, it's, it's like a black hole. It just, it's endless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's a very interesting concept. Um, the song for me uh, is really cool. It's a heavy song interlaced with a lot of double bass drumming, which is cool. Again, used as necessary. Clean spoken verses, cool chorus. It's a very interesting song, in my opinion. So there's a, there's a lot of things going on that, that are positive about this song. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's one of the best tracks on the album, to be honest. It's um, it's got a really cool bass drum intro. It's I mean it's pretty straightforward, and um, it's cool also that it leads into the next track, the new word or new world and and i say it that way because it's been an, a debate for years that's never been cleared up and is is it supposed to be new word or new world so the the lyrics of the song say new word the printing on the packaging which was done twice on the original version and the remaster says new world which based on the in- interpretation of the song it could be either so even though the lyrics say new word it's still very open to interpretation. So this song is about breaking the expectations or breaking out of the expectations 
of what's reviewed in Insipid 2000. So going beyond that complacency, that that uh, you know, just having everything kind of handed to you and succeeding and, and growing beyond. So it's it's I I think it's a great en- ending to the album. It wraps up the the kind of theme that's been going on very nicely, and kind of leaves on a more positive note because a lot of these are kind of addressing the the folly of man, whereas this is more of a you know let's yeah recognize all these bad things, but let's go beyond that. Let's be better. Yes. <laughs> um. It, it it is interesting that they they, they just chose not to. Uh, define what the title is. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's, I think that's. I, I, I think now it's turned into an inside joke. It has to. Yeah, definitely. You know, yeah. um, the song is very cool. Uh, it, it, it's uh, you know one of those songs that ends an album and it, and it 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 basically puts a nice bow tie on the whole album. And beginning to end, here we go, boom. It it sounds like the rest of the album. You know, I I like that the, the, it's got a nice heavy solo section, middle third, I guess you could say. Other than that, again, it's one of those songs that just for me it was such a consistent sound throughout the album that this uh, this song just blends into to the rest of the album for me. Gotcha. Well, one thing that I can say is because there is that consistent sound, if you like one track on the album, you're probably gonna like the rest of them. Yeah, I don't think uh, there's anything wrong with having a consistent sound. All of all of our favorite bands that we listen to, some of their albums are going to be albums that have a, a similar sound or similar structure throughout every song. Uh, even you know when 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 Bob Rock first met Metallica, he's like, "Why is everything in E? You know, why are every single one of your songs in E?" And it's if you think about it, like I, I've done a mix of. The album, you know, from Kill 'Em All, Ride the Lightning, and Master Puppets, you can put every single song, part of every single song together, and it's not a key. There's no key change. So, mm-hmm. if you're recording like like Master Puppets, the whole song, the whole album sounds quote unquote the same. So there's there's that consistency. What what makes it great or not great, and depending on whose opinion you're talking to, is the diversity in the songs. So Metallica has always been very diverse, and they had that formula for for two albums, two three albums. With this In Flames album, there's a lot of consistency from one song to the next. Um, that's why certain songs stand out so much more than others because that's when the song changes, you know. But the rest of the albums, or excuse me, the rest of the songs that that don't have a lot of change all have that very consistent feel from one song to the next. Again, nothing wrong with it. It's just sometimes a song can get lost because of it, especially when you have like 11 songs that are short and they go into the next one and there's not a lot of difference between the, the song it came from to, to what's now playing. Hmm. I, I think it's interesting that you say like the, the diversity of their songs with Metallica because I've always kind of related these couple albums to the same way I feel about the some of the early Metallica stuff where yeah there is diversity in some of the tracks but like say for instance uh, the Black Album or even more so with Injustice for All and Justice for All has this like same kind of feeling throughout the whole album mm-hmm. and it's I think that that consistency is what really makes that album like more of an art piece I guess than than just a bunch of songs right and so that's kind of always how I've related 
these albums, specifically Colony and Clayman, and really, yeah, um, Oracle before it, they have that same kind of vibe where there's this consistency all throughout the album that you know it's part of that album. Right. And and uh, it's it's almost like an art piece, a set in time, rather than like say a lot of pop musicians they you know they pull their their music from you know different writers and you know they're they're not really consistent. They fit together. They place the al- or the songs as as well in order as they can. But this feels like one set piece. Oh, which exactly. is what I really like about it. Yeah, and and I, and I wasn't trying to be negative about it. it it's it's um. If it came across no, no, no. that way, and it's not the way they interpreted what okay. you were saying. I just said I just thought it was funny that like different people will take these different elements out of you know what you feel about music when you listen to it, and this is what really hits you and makes you think of versus the way that I interpret it. And I, I think that's one thing that's really great about music. Mm-hmm. I mean, one thing I could tell you, you know, like every time a band, especially especially when you have a a, a band. Like a Metallica, or and, and from what I'm gathering, In Flames, there's only one lyric writer in In Flames. Right? Um, well, yeah, the the primary uh, lyric writer was it was Anders, and then and early on, Nicholas England would help him translate the lyrics to English. Right. So um, he's actually a member of the band now, who's on hiatus, but um, he's always kind of had a, a history with the band. But yeah, that prim- the primary songwriter uh, past this uh, first album, really, I guess, or not songwriter, I'm sorry, lyric writer, was Anders. Right. So what what that does is you have the, and to me, this is the reason why albums are the way they are, especially when you have bands and, and in metal, it's it's the biggest one of the biggest things that I could always I always love about metal. Most bands. And I would say a high, high percentage write their own music, write their own lyrics. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of bands that go out there and you know look for a song from someone else to write or to to record. That it, that just just doesn't work that way, you know. And even if they do, it's funny. Like they'll they'll bring in uh, a song that fits the vibe. Like In Flames brought in um, Everything Counts on Horacle, uh, which is a Depeche Mode song. But it fits so well in the vibe and in the, in the concept of that album that it works. And so the, the, a lot of me- metal guys will do that, and right. it works so well. Exactly, and that, that's that's more of a bringing in a cover song. But like in mm-hmm. in let's say for instance country music or pop music, you have artists that look for songwriters. Yeah, to, they don't write to, their own music. Right, they don't write their own. So they, they're looking at a singer-songwriter, and then that singer-songwriter just all they do is submit songs to 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 the to publishing company. Mm-hmm. Metal doesn't do that. Metal writes their own songs, okay, and they don't look towards other people to do their stuff. So, what I was trying to get at though, with with these lyricists that that put these songs together, the albums. The reason why there's to me there's this consistency is because it's all coming out of one person's head. It's all coming from James Hetfield, and whatever it's James Hetfield's feeling at that moment when he writes a Metallica album, that's why the album feel that way. And it's also a mood. And Justice For All was this mood that they had that shit was going downhill real quick, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, like with Master of Puppets, you know, there's a lot of manipulation in, in that album, you know, in, and justice for all, there's a lot of you know 
it's hard to say government in involvement, but there that's what it feels. Ride the lightning, it's it's just a you know the disaster of the world. So for for in flames, you know Anders is is got this concept in his mind, and he, you know he's going through, and it seems like a lot of it has to do with where are we going as a society. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's that's why there's this consistency. He has this feeling like shit, man. What's going on here? And it just keeps coming out and keeps coming out, keeps coming out. And that's and it all came out in those eleven songs or ten songs that he wrote lyrics for on on Colony. To yep. me, and that's what's the cool thing about the, and that's why these albums sound so consistent, and it's why they work as well as they do. All right, so we're gonna go into the second album we're talking about, which is Clayman. So rather than the lyrics focusing on external forces such as religion, society, and spirituality, which Colony addressed, Clayman centers more on the internal struggles such as depression and just, you know, things that affect you personally. So this is this is a bit different take on, on the lyrics, uh, but equally deep nonetheless. Uh, the first track is Bullet Ride, which is a great intro to the album. The song questions, are you satisfied with accomplishing nothing? Uh, Will you let the dark parts of life bind you and restrain you? Will you let darkness and depression rule you? So it's already starting off with some pretty deep questions. I like the song. It's uh, got a catchy main riff. It's got quiet spoken verses. And to me, it picks up where Colony left off. Not necessarily thematically, but musically. Mm-hmm. Even even with that said, something sounds better. Something feels different. Something something seems more mature, right off the bat. And it's funny you say that because uh, my friend George and I, who love this album, that's one thing we've always addressed about this album is the maturity, the maturity of songwriting, the maturity of playing. This is to me is like the height of maturity for this band. Yeah, I mean, coming from coming off a of colony to get to this, you can tell that they 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 there was a level, it was a stepped up a a, a, a notch. Similar, you know, since we've been talking about it, the similarities. It's very similar how Ride the Lightning went from from Ride the Lightning to Master of Puppets. You could sense the maturity. There was something else, you know. The, the, obviously, in Metallica's case, they were two years older. In in Flames' case, they're one year older. You know, but mm-hmm. there's there's that sense of maturity there. But they've been together now for a few years, so they you know they're they're getting more and more comfortable with each other. And they finally you know they get back into the studio and they say, hey, let's do this. And you could sense that they were more comfortable in their own skin, even though the next album would change and they, the 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 skin changed. <laughs> it, it's it's weird because they came to this point and this it, it was just that much more mature from the previous one. I think this is this is one of those cases like we've talked about where where do you go like when we talked about Slayer with with uh, Rain and Blood like where do you go past Rain and Blood right Clayman is is in Flames Rain and Blood where it's 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 their height of their maturity like they did they had to do something different they couldn't just put out the same album and get the same acclaim and I think that's why they even named it Reroute to Remain I mean I'm never gonna agree with that decision but i think that's the mindset that they were in so back to you know bullet ride um what a cool riff i mean it's it's 
it's just an exciting song. It's a great way to open it. It sets the the pace that we're going to go, but it even is amplified with the next track, Pinball Map. Yeah, Pinball Map. Now we're getting to the nitty gritty. You can see that they're that they're heading in a particular direction. I really like Pinball Map. It's got a really cool riff. Um, the vocal melody is really good. Um, the verse riff is cool. How it plays with the guitars and the drums, so, you know, and and so and and of course the the chorus is cool. So there, there's a lot of really good things about this song that I like. I don't know. So you could tell that the band is going somewhere, and and mm-hmm. this and this song takes takes them in that first direction. Yeah, it's a song about that that we live life in an erratic and unpredictable society where there's immeasurable possibilities it's easy to get caught up and not be in the driver's seat of your own life and it's such a relatable thing to think this song is kick-ass it, it it's breakneck pace from the beginning and it's just very exciting all right the next track is only for the week This song is about love and losing love when it's wrong and destructive and finding your own voice again when outside of that relationship. I mean, this is relatable, just pure relatable. Um, This song, to me, what I find interesting about the song is when, as soon as you hear it, you know, if if this was like an American band, you know this is the single on the album. Mm-hmm. Because it's so different from everything else on the album, although it fits, it fits, yeah, right. But it, yes, I see what you're saying. It, it's 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 like the closest thing that they would have to a ballad on this album, right? To 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 some degree, in it's it's almost like you know you you listen to any any great rock album or anything like that, like like for instance, Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction. Okay, mm-hmm. first six songs on side one all have this, you know, this this way that they're going, right? And then you start side two, and you got a couple songs, and then all of a sudden, "Sweet Child of Mine" hits, and it fits the album. But you know right away that song's the hit. That's the single. That's the one that's going to put this album over. That's mm-hmm. that's the kind of vibe I get from "Only for the Week," because it's so distinctly different. It sounds different. It sounds better. You know, in in not even in terms of the actual recording sound. It's just there's something about the song that's different. I like the song. You, well, it's, sl- it's slower paced. It's um, I mean, it's very melodic in my opinion. Yeah, and and the vocals are are more clean on yes. this track too. You know, spoken verses again. Got a catchy chorus. The first thing you notice is the harmony guitars, the the melodies behind it. it. I mean, it's it's so distinctly this is the hit single, and it might not have been a hit, quote unquote, single, but this is their attempt to try and get a single out there. Is the well way in it other seems other parts of the world, yeah, it was. So right. I mean, it it's yeah, definitely. So one thing to note about this album: so you've got basically. An, a flow of of the way that the tracks are going to be, you know, laid out. So from the beginning, you've got Bullet Ride and and Pinball Map, which are much more erratic. Now we're going into kind of more compl- contemplative portion of the album. So uh, only for the week, as the future repeats the today, square nothing, and then we're going more into, you know, uh, I guess more of a. a thoughtful and hopeful feel as the album goes on so there there's like a there's a wavelength here which is really cool 
so the next track, as we were mentioning, was As the Future Repeats the Day. I mean, it's, I think it's just a, a really nice way of paraphrasing, you know, don't repeat your mistakes. Don't be blind to what you do. Grow, recognize, build that into your life. And, and I, I think it's a great track. Uh, yeah, I, li- I like the interplay on the vocals uh, with that and the band, you know, coming in and out during the verse. It's hard to kind of explain how what I mean by that, but if you listen to the song, you kind of understand what I'm talking about. Um, it's got some cool vocal tricks throughout the recording, you know, some doubling of the vocals, just ways that they do certain things in, in his vocals. I like the song. It's very, pretty cool, in my opinion. It has an awesome guitar solo, too. I yeah. like the, I like the guitar solo at the, towards, I guess it's towards the middle third of the, the album. I mean, it's the middle third of the song. <laughs> it's a long album. <laughs> it's a long album, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, so the next track is Square Nothing. It's a song about confronting your inner demons before they destroy you, uh, whatever they may be. Self-awareness is what will help you take control of your life. So rather than just the feeling of, of lostness, but like how do you address kind of taking control when you feel lost? Okay, cool interesting i like i said the the the, the words are lost on me because i really didn't pay attention to them so that's a that's a pretty cool little concept there this for for me the song so the song kind of tricks you you think it's a slow song but then in the middle it just comes up and pounds on you mm-hmm. i like that it's pretty cool i mean it, it's a slow song you think it's a slow song the spoken words at the beginning of the you know of during the verses you know, but, but then the song picks up in the middle in the, you know, typical In Flames, which is really cool. I like that. Again, using a lot more vocal tricks, you know, doubling up on the vocals, different styles, singing one way on one, singing another way on the other, and then blending the two. So it's got some double bass on this song. The, what, what I put down on here, there's a lot of experimentation in one song. Mm-hmm. So that, I love I, the chorus of this song too. What a what a <laughs> great! I love the line. Spend some quality time with the demon of mine. <laughs> that is such a cool. Uh, I mean, I just su- such good lyrics here. Um, to me, one of the highlights in the album. All right, so the next track is Clay Man. So Anders wrote this song about a difficult time in his life and feeling like a piece of malleable clay. Uh, the gist of the album seems to be about not being in control of one's own life and Clayman is really the epitome of that there's a tone of taking it back which always left me feeling hopeful so this to me is like the the transition between the first part of the album where like i said it you're you're kind of feeling lost and then kind of thinking about it and then this is the the moment from being lost or, or thinking about it to addressing it and it this is, I mean, this is a great track, one of the the singles on the album, and really just a well thought out track. I like this song, pretty cool. Again, there's some more vocal doubling on it, which again adds to some depth, gives the song some depth to it. Has a double bass heavy intro, so there is there's a lot of elements on this that are to to like about the song. I like what's going on in the song, so it's it's one of those things where you can see the maturity of this whole this whole band in this album, and and this song just goes along and adds to it. It's 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 a perfect title track, I guess you'd say. 
I yeah, I think it it's the track on the album that really exemplifies what the whole thing's about. So I I think it's the perfect one to be the title track. All right, so the next track is uh, Satellites and Astronauts, and that's it's always been a, a track that I kind of view as like looking back, like stepping away from a situation, you know, seeing the stupidity of of past situations, and then you know, like how silly it was, how much more easily things could have been resolved, you know, just seeing the bigger picture from from outside of where you are now. Yeah, the song's got a nice catchy melodic riff. I like the 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 beginning of the song. It's got a very cool twenty five second guitar interlude that intros the song. I think that's really cool. Nice catchy melodic riff, quiet during the verses, and it's it's hard to say quiet. You know, it's not there's there's not a lot of instrumentation going on during the verses, but then the chorus comes in. Every everybody's playing together. It's not very catchy or riffy. But then in the in-between melodies are a lot better. So the song has got a lot of different things going on to to blend it together. It's 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 an interesting song. It's a good song. But it's a little bit more experimentation or experimental too, yeah. where it's got the really high points and the low points. He he starts speaking like almost like spoken word at points of the song, right? And then it transitions back into the the deathy vocals and. There, I think this is again like one of those in, points of maturity where there's a balance that's struck there between like going too far and being you know so different that it doesn't feel like the same band, and also like just finding that fine line of where to experiment and where to draw that line. So it, it I think it's really well done. I when I first heard the track, I remember thinking like this is very different, but I still liked it a lot. Right. Yeah, it's definitely different, and that's part of what makes it attractive. Yeah. So the next track is uh, Brush the Dust Away, which is basically about dwelling on things that deeply affect us and how uh, that allows those things to control our lives. And we should step back and try to move forward. I mean, even the horrible things that may happen to us in our lives, if we allow them to dictate who we are, so much then then you're going to to you know always have that be a part of your life and so move forward grow don't forget about those things but but maybe forgive and try to move forward so i think it's a great song lyrically i really like the uh the 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 riff the drum tracks i mean i i think it's a good transition from the last track i don't think it's as good as far as like experimental etc but I enjoy the track. I, I like the song. It uh, has some nice double bass on it. I like the chugging. The, the chugging is it, it's kind of weird how it, it it's not like a gallop, like an Iron Maiden song, but the chugging gives it a kind of, you know, between the, the, the guitars and the, and the double bass, gives it a, that kind of galloping type of vibe yeah, I to it. actually do feel like this does feel similar to Iron Maiden in, in the bass and the, the drum work. Like so, to to hear you say that it was kind of interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I like uh, it's got a nice good solo on it. I like the song. It's a pretty pretty cool song. Mm-hmm. I just I just think it's funny. Like sometimes, like when you hear when you hear a track, and it, that that like thought comes through. Like, hmm, there's something kind of similar, but not. You know, mm-hmm. it's funny that that'll affect so many different people, and they'll feel that same way. 
and and I don't think by any means it, there, there was ever an intention of that having that same thing. But like certain bands will have those elements that you're like, man, that's what appeals to me. I like this because it's similar to this band I like, etc. Right. Something so great about music. No, it's 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 one of these things where when you when you enjoy one band that's got a history like an Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. And then you 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 pick up on a new band, you know. And back in the day, this was this was a new band for you. I mean, it's a new band for me now, but they're already you know twenty something years old. Um, when you when you pick up on a band and and you can hear the influences from time to time, that's the cool part about the music mm-hmm. because you're like, oh yeah. yeah, you know. So so they they like that band too, you know. And you could you could feel it, and that's also a testament to how good your ear is and attuned to the bands and music that you like so that's that's Mm -hmm. always the cool part about it all right so with swim which is the next track kind of we're on the upswing the 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 more positive end of the spectrum the brighter end and it's it's about you know learning and growing from these things it's it's the next continuation from brush to dust away something better or you know, looking for something better with everything that has been hibernating, and the disarray of life. So the bad things are you know not allowing the bad things to control us. This song is I like this song. It's got a cool effect on it. Kind of mixing a growly vocal with a screeching vocal to to come up with one vocal line. So I think that's a pretty cool effect that it's got on the song. I like the song not much else to say about it for me <laughs> i like it yeah i mean it, it's not one of the highlights of the album but it's a really good track i like that there was uh, yeah I, you said there's a, there's this mixture of the vocals i i like the effect on the vocals on this track it's very different and it was almost something i never realized when i was listening to you know for years and years I focused a little bit more on the way that he sang songs in some of these tracks, and I, I found it very interesting that he kind of used different techniques for some of the songs, especially on this album. There's just so many, like the clean vocals, the the spoken word, almost different growls through different portions of the song, too. So there's there's a lot of dynamic range in what he's doing here. Yes, that absolutely. All right, so track 10 is Suburban Me. It's another song about um, you know breaking out of expectation of mediocrity. So now this is this is almost like take, taking it to the real world, you know. Like so, we've got the disarray of life, we've got contemplation, we've got you know stepping back and kind of seeing how to accomplish these things. And now we're back in the real world. Suburban me is about like you may have these thoughts of. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something great. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, change, turn my life around. But here's the reality of it: I'm still here where I am now. So, how do I make this happen? And I think that, like, like I said, all throughout this thing, like, that's a really cool concept of, you know, here's, the, here's the the fantasy. Here's, you know, what I'm gonna, I'm gonna rise above. But now, I have to figure out how to do that within the constraints of reality. Interesting. That is, that is pretty cool thought process. The one thing that I take away from this song, as soon as it starts playing, you can tell something is different about this song. Mm-hmm. Uh, very similar to, you know, Only for the Week, how as soon as that song came on, there was something different about it because that was the single type song. Okay, mm-hmm. This song, the reason why it's different 
is because there's somebody else playing on it. So there's, it's it's recorded to that guy's standards, I guess you could say. You know, Christopher Arnott from Dark, Dark Tranquility is featured on this song. And it's very noticeable that it's different. Whether or not he only plays a guitar solo or whether or not he plays the, the guitar, I don't know exactly what he does throughout the song. But it is noticeable how this song is different to me. It's got a nice solo to riff to start the song, but you immediately can tell that there's something different about the song. Similar vocals has been throughout the rest of the album, but the recording to it, I, I don't you know, very similar to how um, a Merciful Fate, that one song that, that Lars Ulrich plays drums on, okay, mm-hmm. they recorded the drums because to, to Lars's specifications. Okay, yep. so there's something about this that's recorded to Christopher's specifications. So it, I don't know. I don't know if you noticed that or yourself or not. No, absolutely. Um, I I'm, was a fan of Arch Enemy for a long time. I find it hard, as I've mentioned in the past when we did the uh, Bands That Lost You episode, I, I kind of find it hard to be the same level of fan I used to be. But... Uh, I've always liked Christopher Amott. I think he's he's got a, a really nice tone. It fits with the band. But yes, there is something different about this. And it, and it would be what I would consider like one of the single tracks on this album. Right. So, yeah. So that that's... I immediately sensed it. As soon as it played. And I'm like, mm, mm. There's something about it. What What's different? And Christopher's mm-hmm. playing is on it. And that right there tells you there's something different about it. So it's a pretty cool song, though. I like it. Yep. All right. So the final track is Another Day in Quicksand. So it's kind of a, a track about the pitfalls of the judgment of others uh, or a judgment from others, I guess, rather. Either way, it can be interpreted. But basically how judgment affects you, how you perceive um, others are judging you, but not just like that. But but if you're placing judgment on others, what? how does a relationship develop not not necessarily romantic, but just relationship between people. So pre- preconceived notions. I think it's a really cool way to end the album. It's it's a very similar in in a, a way to the new word where it's got you know like it's it's not a standout track, but it feels like a way to wrap it up. Right, exactly. It is definitely you could tell it we're we're at the end of the album, and this is the last song. Let me say something real quick about... Uh, let me go back to Suburban Me real quick for one thing. Please excuse me for mispronouncing Chris Chris's name. I know it's Chris Amat, and I, I wrote it incorrectly, and that's how why I pronounce it uh, or not. It's, I know it's Amat, so my fault. Um, anyway, getting back to Another Day in Quicksand. It is, it's definitely a song where you say, this is the end of the album. I don't know if it's if if it's a the feel of being rushed through the song, or what is nothing that stands out that says oh, this is a great song, but it, it fits the vibe of the the whole album. But yet it's it's you can just tell it's it's the end of the album. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where like, so how many albums have we addressed or talked about where? You know, you feel like the first half is, like, the good half of the album. You know, and there's, like, one or two. like, And when you get to the end, it just kind of peters off. Yes. Whereas I never felt that way about these albums, like, in particular, because there was this, this consistency, the vibe that fit. 
and even if they're not the best track on the album, they still fit that that like art piece that these are. So that's kind of how I feel about Another Day in Quicksand is that it's part of the whole art piece. Right. Absolutely. And I, I get what you're saying about it, and it, 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 it all ties in together. Mm-hmm. All right, so my take on the two albums uh, is that Colony is a very consistent album with not a lot of experimentation. We kind of mentioned that earlier. Clayman, almost from the beginning, feels more mature. It feels like they upped their game. And they're still holding true to some of the stuff that they did in Colony. But you can tell that there's they, they've, they've gone to another level. You know, so Colony has a lot of the same tuning. You know, like I mentioned earlier, if it's all recorded in, in one key, the whole album is in that key. But Clayman, you could tell that they changed things up a bit. There was a lot more experimentation. Obviously, most people did not realize how far they were going to take that experimentation on the album that came after this. But um, yeah, it, you could tell I, there was some me, growth. Me included. Yeah. <laughs> there was definitely a lot of growth on the album, and for for good or for bad, it w- it it helped them, and it 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 definitely sums up. It's like the end of the era. When you when you think about it, you know, obviously looking back in hindsight, you can tell this is the end where one period ends and the next period begins. Mm-hmm. Clayman's a very good album. Colony and Clayman, both very good albums. To wrap it up for this, my opinion is I like Clayman better than Colony. And uh, you know, I for this one I'm in agreement with you. To me, Clayman is the more standout album. I get why if you're a diehard fan of the early, early albums from In Flames, you'd probably cut the line at, at Colony. Uh, but for me, like Clayman is just the the songs are more experimenta- or, or, or um, experimental, and the lyrics are so relatable. But all of the early elements are still theirs, and it, there's just a, a a tone on Clayman too that's just really incredible and. Like I said, check out Spectre Sound Studios video on the tone of Clayman. It's a really good uh, YouTube episode. I want to briefly address the the Clayman 2020 re-release. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan. Neither am I. Uh, <laughs> I don't like the way that they re-recorded the songs. I think they're muddier. I I think it's a travesty in that that the original tone was so well done i don't understand why they couldn't have tried to replicate the original tone and maybe take things further and you know do something a little different but i i just i don't care for it um if you're a fan of the band now check it out you probably will might enjoy it if you like what they're doing now with their with their music you know and it's kind of it's kind of cool in that regard like if you're a new fan of of in flames and you haven't really listened to a lot of the old old stuff it's kind of a good transition between what they're doing now and that old music. So I can see some merit in it in a way. It's not for me. I, a hard pass for me. I listened to them one time, and that's all I need to do. <laughs> so me being not the diehard fan that you are or were, th- listening to the re-recorded versions, I agree with you. They're terrible. They're muddy down, like you said. They're, they're, they just, they're not recorded very well, which is funny because in contrast their albums are recorded really well so i passed past reroute to remain reroute to ma- remain sounds like a muddy mess to me but 
Right, but I, I know exactly what you're but saying. But okay, so we we take out re- reroute to remain. But for the most part, all their albums are, are recorded pretty well. I mean, you know, the early ones were were different because there was you know less budget, blah blah blah. But yeah. you know, the ones that came out in the two thousands, and in, in, in the two thousand tens, those albums sound good. I mean, there the there is a clarity to the albums. The the same thing I always repeat. You know, the songs are breathing, but for whatever reason. The songs uh, that they re-recorded from Clayman just do—they sound like shit. I mean, I'm sorry. It's that's fair. You know, they don't sound like anything that of their other albums. I mean, if they would have done that, if they would have taken the same techniques that they did on all their 2000s albums and used it to re-record the songs from Clayman, it would probably sound superior to the what they they, they originally recorded Clayman on or as. So. That's where you feel like, shit, man, where did they go wrong? What happened? I mean, it was almost like they were there live in the studio. Let's bang this out. Let's see what it sounds like. Boom. And, you know, we're going to put it out. It, it almost seems like there was not yeah. a lot of effort done into it, which is sad because they're, they're, they picked the good songs. I mean, it, they just didn't. The execution just failed miserably. Yeah. All right. So it seems like we're in agreement. Clayman for us is the better album, but. If you uh, if you disagree, please comment on our our social media. Let us know what you think. Give us your opinions on these this these tracks and or and if you like one or the other better, maybe you cut the line earlier than these two albums, or maybe you're still a fan of In Flames. We definitely want to hear about that. Yeah, if you think we're full of shit, just let us know. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So why don't we transition into our big four? And since you're not as much of a fan of In Flames, at least in this part of their career. Um, why don't you start off on your big four this week? Okay, so I had to go flying through all their albums to try and come up with something that wasn't just on Clayman or, or Colony. Um, yeah, I know this is probably a little tougher for you. And, um, I, and I ended up not but, picking anything off of Colony. Okay. Um, but I did pick two songs off of Clayman, so I had to find some other songs. And I kind of went back... And it kind of went forward. My number four song, and I don't have a lot to say about it other than it's really got a, a, a it's got a really cool riff. Uh, is Lord Hypnos? I think that's a pretty cool ass oh, song. I love Lord Hypnos. <laughs> yeah, that's a great song. Uh, I mean, it's one of those again. Like I said, you know, if you if you, if you can start bopping your head to a song, you know, there's some something cool about it. Uh, I like that song a lot. Now we move forward. Song number three for me, my third choice, my big. Three, <laughs> my big four number three song is "I Am Above." Um, that song, there, there's just something about it. There's a lot Off of the new album. Yeah, there's there's a. It's one of their, you know, more popular songs at this moment, and from what I can tell, uh, it's it's there's there's it's a it's a religion. There's a religious aspect to the song that uh there's a lot of questions there about religion and god and all that it's quite interesting to me i didn't get very deeply into it i had to fly through it but um i liked i liked the song in general so that was cool um number two for me only for the week uh off of clay man i think it's a it's a really cool song like i said earlier it's one of those songs where you knew that's the single and number one for me, my number one in flames song is Pinball Map. Uh, that is everything about that song is so cool. Love the chorus, the riffs, everything. It's pretty it's a it's a great song. Nice. 
I don't take anything away from picking new songs. I mean, I, I know that In Flames has a, a pretty big fan base. Um, there's even some tracks that I like post Clayman. I think probably Soundtrack to Your Escape would probably be the closest one I that I really enjoyed. And I know George vehemently disagree with me on that one, but <laughs> I, <laughs> I still enjoyed uh, some of the stuff they did with uh, Come Clarity soundtrack to your escape even some of the stuff off of uh sense of purpose i still really enjoyed yeah so. i was i almost picked a song from the sense of purpose i believe i almost picked disconnected but there was something about i am above and lord hypnos that were that they were a little bit more stand out for me i got you there all right so that being said even though i do like those albums or, or songs off of those albums Mine do come from the first five albums. So for number four off of Clayman, I picked Square Nothing. I mentioned earlier I love those lyrics, and I think that's probably the biggest catalyst. catalyst? It's a great track. Listen deeply to the lyrics again if you're, if you, or, you know, kind of giving it a pass. What a great song. Uh, For number three was your number one, Pinball Map. Again, off of Clayman, we've, addressed it you you kind of went over it with with that uh with your number our big four so i won't go further into it but fucking great song. oh but okay. what a great song you could say that all right um so for number two is uh jotan off of horacle it's the opening track i i've always been just like really drawn to this song because of the imagery of uh, norse mythology you know something we kind of addressed with our Amon Amarth episode. I really like this track, and it sets the stage for the concept album that's Horacle, uh, which is still one of my favorites of theirs. So uh, check that one out if you haven't listened to it. And uh, for my number one, is always my favorite from this band, and it's December Flower off of Jester Race. <laughs> I have taken the solo from December Flower. And made it my my alarm that I wake up to every day, with a brief interlude uh, a, few, a few years back, being respectful of who I was with at the time. But uh, every morning I wake up to the solo from December Flower. It's what gets me up, awake, and going. So I've got to pick this one as my my number one. What a great song! It's it's one of those that stands out to me on. Jester Race album, and uh, I definitely suggest listening to it. Cool, I like that. Okay, well that's it for debating metal. Now listen here, Devil Child. If you don't think we're gonna be back next Friday, you got another thing coming. Some heads are gonna roll on episode thirty-seven when we go head to head with Judas Priest, Screaming for Vengeance versus Defenders of the Faith. It's gonna be one heavy-duty episode as we decide which album was better. So remember, rock hard, ride free, and always turn it up to 11. See ya.